Welcome to Sweet Talk. This broadcast is brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts, and the format is conversational. We will be having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and, in all cases, difference makers. Now, let's get started with Sweet Talk. Sweet Talk. We are so excited to be here today. We have some um, wonderful guests in preparation for our EMS conference. My name is Raylene Price. I'm the Health Programs Coordinator here at Idaho State University College of Tech. And I have here with me Scott Strupp and Eric Bauer. So I'm going to turn the time over to Scott to just give a little introduction and then we'll have Eric, our special guest, um, introduce himself for us. Yeah, I'm Scott Strupp. Uh, I'm one of the flight nurses. I work for Classic Air Medical, um, and we uh, are the vendor right now for Port and Fair Rescue uh, here in Pocatello. Um, been flying for about three years, and um, just uh, here to help promote the uh, EMS conference. Uh, we're excited uh, that Eric's here with us today. Um, I'm a big fan, so it's kind of like a big celebrity uh, kind of opportunity for me to all my friends are jealous. I get to talk to Eric Bauer today. So. Yeah. And Scott is the one who actually led us in your direction. So we are so grateful that he did that for us. Well, thank you. Well, I appreciate the warm welcome. Um, it, uh, it, you know, it's neat to get to meet so many different people out there and uh, to, to know that the podcast has reached so many people. It's, it's exciting. You know, I never would have thought when I started it that, that I would be where I'm at now. And um, so pretty neat to get to see what that, the evolutionary process of the podcast and what it's done. Very good. Well, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I, uh, I was born and raised in uh, Southern Oregon, and so I'm a West Coast guy. Uh, diehard Oregon Duck fan. Uh, got season tickets, go out to every home game. And, uh, uh you know, I moved to uh, Tennessee, Kentucky area in 2008, and, uh, you know, I've flown, uh, well, I've been in EMS for 29 years, this is my 29th year already, I can't believe it, uh, flew for 17 of those years, and uh, started Flight Bridget in 2012, just from a, really an idea that I had, and it was more of an inspiration from Scott Weingart, and listening to him early on in 2007, 2008, I guess 2008. And I loved his idea of bringing upstairs care downstairs, bringing critical care down to the ED. Um, and, you know, it took me quite a few years to really come up with an idea, but I, I wanted to. I was teaching, um, you know, in the Tennessee, Kentucky area pretty extensively. And obviously flying at that point, I'd flown nine years. And, you, you know, you see you see medicine being practiced in so many different ways. Uh, and I really saw an, an information gap. I didn't feel like that any of the providers in these rural areas were doing anything malicious. I just felt like they definitely didn't have the information. And so that was the idea is to take that critical care side and bring it to the EMS side, right? 
try to try to bring our practice up. And, and that's where I, I, I say I got the inspiration from Scott Weingart and, and the Emcrit podcast because, you know, along those same lines, that's exactly what he did. He was taking critical care, ICU critical care, bringing it to the ED and bringing that ED level care up, uh, you know, starting emergency department critical care units. And uh, and so, it, you know, it just started from, a, from an idea like that and, and never meant to – start a business. Um, I, I met a, uh, an amazing guy. His name's Evan Clonch. He was a fellow flight paramedic with me at the Air Methods Kentucky 8 base. He had an IT background, kind of self-taught, and uh, we were like brothers from, from, from the start, and uh, he had the knowledge to build a lot of the systems that we had. He built the original website. Um, we named the company together, and uh, uh, you know, we were so early on in the in the podcasting realm that there weren't companies out there that were hosting podcasts like there are now. So he he coded and completely built a a media platform that we still use today. And so that's how we can publish so many podcasts on our own platform. Um, you know, so we were very early on, you know, in that in that process. And then as as things went, obviously we started getting requests. I started getting requests to start teaching review classes. And, and so my wife and I, my wife is really my backbone, my, my partner in this. And, um, she has believed in me and, uh, we, we wrote our first, the first book and the course, and we taught our first class in Dallas, Texas in 2013. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And, uh, you that's know, awesome. now today, you know, we're, we're doing a, you know, we're booked like almost two years in advance, which that's is crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we are so lucky and so that you were open, number one, on the weekend that we needed to have you come. So that was provident for us to be able to have you come. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, I was surprised. I'll be honest with you. A lot of times I get I get so many requests like that, and I'm like, wow, I have an open weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, very cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Cool. Yeah, we're super excited. Um, again, we're um, I'm personally excited for May. So, um, but uh, just to ask a couple questions here, um, just to kind of give the audience um, again your background. Um, I know you talked about that you've been in EMS for 29 years, and you kind of see this evolution of EMS um, over your career. So, um, how do you see it progressing now? And what are some of the positive things that people can maybe look forward to in EMS as they're looking for? A potential career in being like a paramedic or or in flight or anything like that like what what would be something that they could look forward to or some tips for them yeah that's I mean that's a pretty broad question honestly I mean I think when you look at we could go a lot of directions with that I I definitely feel like I was in the right situation from the start uh, you know Oregon uh let's just say this, every state is different and there's definitely differences where I go, I'll go certain areas and you see a big difference as far as how progressive some areas are. I see areas that are 20 years behind. Um, I was very fortunate to be in the Southern Oregon area uh, where it was very progressive. Um, that was a degree required state starting in 1997, right? So, really kind of tells you, right, that is a big hot topic right now, which is so funny and ironic because Oregon was 20-some 20, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, 23. And and uh, it has worked really well. Now, I remember back then having to try to figure out how I was going to pass paramedic school uh, and get through it because I wasn't prepared 
uh, and that law went into effect the year before, or really I was the second class. Um, but man, I wouldn't trade that for anything because I think it set me up to then go and get a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. So I definitely feel like if you want to fly, I definitely think that that is something that you really have to focus on is your education. And we may not realize now, you know, your, your life perspective is, is narrow. And as you get older, you start realizing, man, if I want a promotion, I have to have a bachelor's degree. Or if I want to do this, I have to have a higher education of some sort. That's where I think the nursing side is so far ahead of the MS side is that there is a standard across the U.S., associate's degree at a minimum, a lot of places, bachelor's degree, and there's no exceptions. You know, I think it's obviously a different model, and, and we're definitely hamstrung by the reimbursement side of pre-hospital, you know, transports, uh, where the hospital side definitely has a multitude of revenue streams that can that, that intermingle and allow nurses to be paid a little bit higher. I would also say that that you got to stay curious, you got to stay hungry. You got you know if you if you want to fly, if you want to get into critical care, the learning never stops. And uh, you know I, I definitely think that a a one two three year paramedic, if you're hungry enough, don't let that stop you. I, I have seen phenomenal three year paramedics three-year nurses come into the industry that have blown people's doors off, right? Um, I think it, 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 earlier providers in the first few years are more hungry, right? They've been raised in a, in a different era. You know, I think it's sometimes harder to train older providers because they're stuck in a rut. I'm not saying that across the board. So I, I just think that you have to be educated. I think that the the future is critical care. I think that we're we are definitely seeing that as a company on the ground side, whether that's fire departments or ground EMS agencies, that they are coming to us for now critical care education for their staff. Um, and uh, I'm seeing that every single week. Uh, we're, we're getting companies come to us for, the, for that reason. So I definitely see the future is going to be more advanced critical care in our profession. Uh, and I don't really always think that it is so much that they're going to do anything extraordinarily different. I think that it really broadens people's understanding of medicine and allows you to make better clinical decisions and ultimately make better decisions leads to better patient outcomes, hopefully. Right. And that's what we're hearing uh, is that, that man, I am, you know, we have a fire department in Oregon that we're partnering with that we're doing some courses or three courses training a lot of their staff this next in a couple of weeks. And uh, I gave them a little bit of online education prior and I've already had reports that, that some of the education has impacted the, the uh, firefighter paramedics where they've already made, been able to recognize things on scene and make better decisions. And they've been blown away by that. So I think that just shows it's not that maybe we're all going to go get an advanced cert like the FPC, the CCB-C or CFRN, but we can definitely make better decisions. So I think that's the future. That's awesome. Eric, um, you talked a little bit about making sure that you continue your education. You know, once you um, become a paramedic or a flight nurse or even an EMT, um, what are some of the best ways that people can get these educational opportunities to advance in their either certifications or degrees or um, just outside even continuing education? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think now nowadays there is so much out there. 
I mean, I think back of when I was a brand new paramedic, even, even when I started flying, there was nothing out there. There was no FOMED that hadn't been invented yet. There was nothing. So anything that, that I had to seek out, I had to seek out on my own, my own curiosity. You know, the, the internet was fairly new back then, right? So, I mean, it wasn't like you could just Google anything. Uh, so I, I think that now is the time. We're in a social media, technology-driven, you know, world. And, and there's so much information available. So I think you just have to seek that out. I think there's a lot of different companies out there, not only Flight Rigid, that, um, that gives you the ability to have your questions answered. And I really think that you need to find somebody that can mentor you. You know, find that person that, that really will invest in you. And, you know, I have, I have a couple people that I, that I really invest in. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I always tell them that I am not going to be there to constantly cheer them on, right? I'm not there to motivate them. I'm there to coach them, give them advice. I may not always give them the answer, but I'm going to steer them in a couple of directions. And I've learned that from probably my mentor in the industry is Alan Wolf. And, uh, you know, he is, um, I get emotional every time I talk about it. I don't care how, how, how often I talk about it. I mean, that guy has has helped shape me uh, and helped me become who I am. And and so I definitely want to be that to so many people, right? I think that that is, if I had to leave a legacy, that's the legacy I want to leave. And uh, and I think we can all do that in some way or another. We can all do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Get a mentor. That's a great yeah. for yeah. all of us, I think, right? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about... Um, you know, learn, uh, being able to learn more, um, and, and seeking out that education. Um, personally, I, you know, when I wanted to get into flight, I had a couple friends and they specifically turned me on to your podcast. Uh, they said, it's great. You're going to want to listen to it. And also on Scott Weingart's, uh, podcast, which hopefully maybe one day I'll get to interview that guy. Uh, but, um, but obviously, I mean, Scott's podcast is, uh, a lot of times way more in depth than what I can understand. Um, and that's just more geared towards, you know, medical doctors and everything like that. Um, but there's a lot of great things. I like your podcast. Um, and tell us kind of the reason, um, what was your, when you were making that podcast or those, uh, education, what was kind of like your target level of knowledge and who all did you want to reach initially? Hmm. Yeah, so my initial mission was to bridge the gap between standard ALS, whether you're a nurse or paramedic. I wanted to bridge that gap and critical care. I've always had the mindset myself that I want to have or attempt to have MD-level knowledge. May never get there, but I always seek that. You know, that's, that's a goal of mine is to always do that. And I've always realized in myself, if I can teach it and I can teach it without really even thinking about it and I can explain it and break it down in a simplistic way, you know, I think we can all, we can all, we can, we all have met people that can explain things, uh, in a very simple way. We can, we, and we've met people that, that say things so complex, they make it so convoluted that you don't even understand what you just heard. And I think that that is, you're losing uh, the whole point of what you're doing. So I, I think that that has, 
I don't think I meant to do that. I think that's just maybe my teaching style. I think that I learned that that is something that I that I do. Uh, maybe that's my analytical side. Like my, like my wife and I, for example, are are completely different when it comes to that. You know, um, if for example, if we get in an argument, I want to know why that argument happened. Even a little disagreement. I want to know why it happened, so it doesn't happen again. She. She doesn't care about that. Like it's over. Let's let's just wash our hands, and that drives me nuts because I want to know. Like I, I want to prevent it from happening again. I I don't like to repeat things like that. So that's just the way I think. I'm very analytical. I want to know things down to a yeah down to a cellular level. Those are the things that really make me tick. So I and I believe that if you teach in that way, and you build off of each concept that you're teaching things start coming together and and that's how that's how i i started developing the podcast is just based on that all right well we we're going to start with cellular respiration i think that was my first podcast right and then and then we go all the way through and then we start getting into mechanical ventilation you know obviously innovation rsi and then mechanical ventilation and then acidosis and and how that breaks down with our patients how does how does that evolutionary process happen because I think if we can understand that, then we can better foresee potential problems. And so I guess where I'm going is that I, I just, I, I wrote down, I think, 10 topics in the very beginning. And you would laugh if you, if you could go back in time and watch me record these. Everybody so literally, like, somewhere. oh, man, yeah. So a little, a little 1995 desk mic. I mean, you can go back and listen to the audio. And, and I had it sitting on my chest, and I literally would be on my bed. My Ashley would be at work, and I'd be recording away, right? And I didn't even know how to edit yet. So I'd get 30 minutes into a podcast, and my black lab outside would bark, or the phone would ring. And I didn't, I, I'd scrap the whole podcast. I'd start over. Like, that's how <laughs> stupid I was. Yeah, instead of just pausing and, and, and continuing on. So... Uh, but I was able to knock out, I think, seven to ten podcasts right off the bat before I ever released anything, and and uh, and then just you know it just started. I think our first first podcast got like twenty five downloads, you know, and I thought that was the neatest thing in the world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and it's just you know it's just grown. I think I've learned that that to build an audience, you know, it's a lot of work. I don't know if people understand the the amount of work it takes to put out a podcast, especially every two weeks with relevant content to be able to understand that content at a high level and then, and then present it and, you know, all, all the editing behind the scenes and the artwork and, and putting that out. And I think that's what really has helped us become successful is we've put out the content. Obviously I, I think it's, it's gotten better as we've gone on. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've tried to improve the production value and we've, I, I always have tried to listen to the industry. It's not always what I think. It's, it's what the industry problems are, right? And then put out that content. And so we're 177 in. Uh, you know, we've had a couple million downloads. Um, so pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty, awesome. uh, pretty amazing starting out at 25. Um, but it's, it's becoming harder and harder for me to come up with topics. You know, it, I really have to spend a lot of time. So I think about it every day. Like it's, it's obsessive, you know, (laughs) 
the, the next great idea, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So how would you recommend somebody to, to prevent burnout or to keep them from becoming complacent in their work? I know that mm-hmm. Scott had mentioned that sometimes when somebody is in a field for a period of time, they start to kind of just do the same thing over and over again. Um, how do you hmm. keep it new, yeah. keep from becoming complacent, keep from burning <clears throat> out? Man, that is a hard, that's a hard answer. I mean, I definitely have, I, I definitely feel like early in my career, I, I went through periods where I got burnt out. Um, I mean, even me working in, in the Portland, Oregon, Multnomah County area, my first paramedic job, you know, I worked there two years and that's a super busy system. I, I, man, I felt like a, a grizzled 10 year medic when I left there. Like I, we just ran so many calls. It was great. Um, but you definitely, you know, the, the whole system abuser type, type of call where, you know, those are the types of things that wear on you. And I think a lot of it is mindset. It's, um, you know, having an outlet, having a hobby, you know, doing those things. Um, Doing podcasts as your hobby. Yeah. 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 So, I I mean, those things, I, I definitely, like I took a break between 2005 and 2000, 2006 and 2008. I, I dropped PRN. I did construction full time. Had my own construction company. I had, I've done construction my whole life, and and that was right before that. Well, that was big, bo- booming, booming time, right before the housing market crash. And and I didn't even think about being a paramedic during that time. I mean, I very rarely worked during that time, and and I was fine with that. Um, so I definitely feel like for me, I have went through stages where I felt burnout. I felt burnout on the helicopter. You know, I flew 17 years. You, you go through, you go through times. And so that's where maybe I go into education. And then I, you know, I, I just have always tried to stay fresh like that. Yeah. But I, I think that's, that's, that's different for every person. I don't, I don't know. Do you, have you guys ever felt burnout? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that was our timer. So we're going to, um, just kind of wrap it up. We're not going to cut you all the way off here because we've got some other stuff that we yep. want to um, talk to you about. But sure. yes, yes. Yeah, we'd love to, um, you know, part of part of kind of that burnout, uh, asking, you know, friends and stuff like that that have reached out to me. I've asked them, I said, hey, I get a chance to talk to Eric Bauer. What questions would you have for him? And I just got <laughs> flooded with stuff. But, um, you know, one of those topics was kind of staying up to date. And I've always been impressed with, you know, how, I'm like, how, how does Eric find these things, like these studies, and like, what secret Google tab do you have that I don't, and you know, like, what are you researching? So, um, so that's a big thing, you know, and, and coming to these conferences, I think, is going to be, you know, another another opportunity to kind of see what's going on out there in the industry and and more of those presentations. So, if you could give us like a little sneak peek to maybe what uh, people can look forward to uh, in May. Uh, when you come out to uh, the glorious land of Pocatello. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm excited to be able to present and, uh, you know, look forward to, you know, the keynote. I think that's, that's definitely an area that I love is, is the speaking on inspirational topics, leadership topics. You know, we all obviously need the, the medical side, but that's probably my favorite part. Um, I get excited about that. 
and uh, because I feel like you reach so many more people that way, whether you're an EMT or a, a doctor, right? We all need to hear those things, and uh, so that's that's probably what I'm most excited about. I'm, I'm definitely excited uh, for for the topics that that we have lined out, and and uh, to see the light bulbs come on and be able to answer those questions and invest in in each person that's that's there, um, and just to get to see that area. Yeah, yeah. May is beautiful, we hope. Yeah. It could be second we, or third winter. We don't know. We, we're hoping it's spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, yeah, we just don't know, right? Yeah. yeah. But generally, May in Pocatello is beautiful. So yeah. we're looking forward to having you come. Well, I am excited to come, and, and uh, I really appreciate the offer and, and for thinking of me. And um, Maybe can't wait you to. tell people why they should come. Why, why go to a conference? Um, I think conferences are, are the key number one to network. And especially if, you know, if there's co- somebody coming to speak that, that you admire, I mean, or that, that you, that you want to, you never know what you're going to learn. There's so many perspectives out there. And I think that's how you grow as a person is, is, you know, I listen to topics all the time that, that I teach and then I, I might hear a different perspective of that or I might catch a certain thing that I then apply. And I, I say that, uh, and, you know, to your, to your question of how do I come up with some of these topics? You know, how do I, how do I learn? Well, you know, I, last year Flatbridge Ed taught 4,300 people, right? And, and, and about, you know, 2,000 of those, 2,500 of those, I think, were live. And so when I go do a live class... People ask questions, make comments, and I, I pull those little nuggets, right? And I remember those things. I have a great ability to remember stuff like that. So then I can apply that, put that in my toolbox. And I think that's where a conference really does broaden your perspective. It gives you so many more tools to then go out and take care of your patients. Uh, and that, I think, is where that reduces complacency. That gets you excited. That, that inspires. And you go out there, and then you can invest in the next person, um, whether you're, you know, if you're just your, your partner or maybe you're an FTO field training officer, or, you know, maybe you're in the training department, but I mean, we all can invest in somebody. Very cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Don't you uh, feel like too, it's a good way to help that burnout. Go sure. fill yourself back up. Yeah. So emergency yeah. medicine conference, May 1st and 2nd here on the ISU campus. Um, we are offering this at a very affordable $20 for people to be able to come wow. for this two-day conference. So it is pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. Is, that, that is that is really good. Yeah. Really good. So, all right. Thank you so much, Eric. We so appreciate you coming. Hey, Raylan. Yeah. If we want to find Eric... How do we find you? Oh, Eric, yes. How do we find you? <laughs> yeah, there's lots of ways. You can go to our website. It's uh, www.flightbridgeed.com. Um, you can look for us on iTunes or any of the Android apps and just search the Flightbridge Ed podcast. Um, find me on Twitter, um, at Flightbridge Ed, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, there's there's just always search. Go to You, you can go to YouTube, uh, subscribe to our channel there, Flightbridge Ed. Um, so we've tried to make things all the same. Um, find me on Facebook. Um, and uh, I'll give you my email. It's eric, E-R-I-C, dot Bauer, B-A-U-E-R, at flatbridgehead.com. And uh, I answer every one of my emails, so yeah, feel free to shoot me an email if you have any questions. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So 
Very good. Well, thank you. Again, we're looking forward to this conference and looking forward to meeting you in person. That'll yeah, be you, even you, better. So, you yeah. too. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Eric. Thank you, thank you so, so much. very much. All right. Yay. Thank you. Continuing education, workforce training, SWEET, is comprised of professionals dedicated to serving your educational needs. We understand that when it comes to your future, it's all about you. Because our staff and faculty have real-world experience actually doing what they teach, our students obtain the skills and knowledge they are looking for to be competitive in today's marketplace. For more information, please visit our website, ctrain.isu.edu. That is c-e-train.isu.edu. Or call us at 208-282-3372.